Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible, the, the off-season, the first episode of the off-season, episode 20-something, who cares? Stop counting after the season ends. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Episode eat there's no the, the season is nice and numbered, no, nothing else is. So um, it, it's, uh, it's all over, but, but the Packers did stuff. Uh, there's a crappy Super Bowl that nobody cares about, but the Packers did stuff, so we, we got stuff to talk about. And that's good. Um, actually, kind of a lot to talk about. They didn't waste any time. They got right to it and started hiring people and replacing people that they didn't technically fire and let go. So th- that's all good stuff. Um, I guess we can just do intros because I, I need you guys to actually get into it a little bit. So uh, in, in Tosa, as per usual. We hey, have. I'm J.R. Red, Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And even though I know... Fewer things about the Packers have said fewer things and in more opportunities, fewer this, fewer that. I am the one going to the Hall of Fame. So uh, such is such the way with, with John Lynch. That was really poorly done. I fumbled. I liked that. it. Also, I forgot to put Leroy in the in the rundown, and we have to talk about that too. So. Yes, I actually yeah, did want to edit that in there. I do oh, want did to you? Oh, good. Leroy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for catching that. It was a busy afternoon. Uh, should we... <laughs> I do like complaining about John Lynch. Should we? We maybe we should, uh, anyway. Uh, should we introduce Matt or complain about John Lynch first? Absolutely, we should. We should introduce Matt because I think he'll have the thoughts. Yeah, he'll have things to say, and then we talk about John Lynch a little bit. Okay, that sounds good. So, yeah, you can. You can <laughs> Over you can, in Colorado, I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. All right. Acme Packing Company, Meme Weaver, and General Twitter Rabble Rouser. John Lynch sucks. <laughs> <laughs> So mean we are. We are. Uh, I, I saw Mike John Lynch is at best the seventh best player on that Bucks defense. I'd say ninth, but I, I think at at best seventh is probably. As people right. remember it, he's third. He's the third best player on that team behind Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks. I'm not saying that's how stats look at it. That's how that's how historically he's remembered. Yeah, I'm gonna have to bring up the 2000. Yeah, and historically people think Steve Atwater was a good hitter because he hit one fullback once. I think one yeah. thing we gotta. Just mention right off the top of our head, like John Lynch is kind of the last of a very dying breed because you can't play like John Lynch anymore. You can't just go out and concuss people. And, you know, the NFL did live on that for a long time. They sold videos of like the greatest injuries in, in sports. That's a thing that happened for a long time. And, and you know, in a lot of ways, it's infuriating that he gets in because 
we know that's dangerous, but also ineffective. He wasn't that he wasn't an effective safety. He wasn't good in coverage. Whereas Butler's like the opposite. He was a very uh, athletic and very like played uh, soft skills is wrong. He did the things you're supposed to do as a defensive back. He would take away Shannon Sharp in big games. He would cover receivers. He would also fill in and run defense. He was like a well-rounded player. He's a modern safety. Yeah. Whereas John Lynch just killed people and and couldn't cover very well. So it's it's really mostly infuriating because if you want to put a guy like Lynch in that's annoying and stupid but I kind of get the old school reason for it but put the guy who's way better in first like that's that's the order's all screwed up here <laughs> and um it, it, there's a lot of other reasons Lynch might be getting in too he is a front office guy so he has friends um that he has made by virtue of being a front office guy and having access to hold over people um he uh, he he is a, a certain um, shade of color. That <laughs> oh man, I they, wasn't even gonna go there. But I there can't you are. I can't quite get what you're getting at uh-huh. there, Paul. <laughs> Which may help you with certain voters. Um, and uh, it, it we, look, I I know you, you might say he has a winning complexion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might say that. I, I I mean, laugh all you want, but the fact of the matter is that there are not uh, not a huge amount of white safeties that play football um and it is the, the fact that one of them happens to get into the hall of fame uh, over more qualified black players is uh, i don't know a little on the nose a little bit of a theme a little bit of a thing the nfl has been doing a lot lately so uh, whatever john lynch is how, not a- how great would it be if this is the podcast episode that takes off and you can be a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel writer, part of racist podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. no. And okay, also, so- not that. The opposite of that. Yeah, so so I have written about this. It's not yet at jsonline.com. But, you uh, wrote about white people in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So I didn't, I didn't go ahead and add that part of it to it. I, I, I don't know if that's really what we're talking about. I mean, we could it's say not. the same things about Steve Atwater no, it's not. Uh, from, from the 2020 class. And so here's how I've looked at it. And... Um, I, the, the one thing that John Lynch has over Leroy Butler, well, one thing is Pro Bowls, and if you want to count Pro Bowls, fine, you're an idiot, but you can count them. Uh, the, the one thing, though, that he has over Leroy Butler is that he has been a finalist for the Hall of Fame longer. This was his eighth year that is true. as a finalist. Leroy Butler, this was his second year. Now, that that's a mistake that was made back in 2014, but the fact of the matter is, Every year for the last eight years, the voting committee, the 48 member voting committee has been hearing about John Lynch. And he was by far the guy who'd had the most finalist appearances in the batch of 15 finalists. He was a guy that has been on people's mind thinking next year for John, next year for John, next year for John for the last few years. So that's not that's stupid. Like Leroy Butler is better in every category. He has more interceptions, more touchdowns, more. uh, I believe John Lynch has one more like combined forced fumbles and recoveries, but Leroy Butler played in 50 some fewer games. Uh, He has, he has more sacks. Yep. More sacks by far twice as many pro all pro appearances, not as many pro bowls, but twice as many all pro appearances. This is the thing that really gets me is that every single member of the 19, 1970s, all decade team, 1980s, 1990s, every single person on offense and defense is in the hall of fame, except Leroy Butler. John Lynch will not be found on any of these all decade lists. He is not on the two thousands list, which by the way, only has two of the guys who are eligible. Only two people aren't in. And one of them is Richard Seymour and he's going to get in. He's, he's, been a finalist three times so the this is like it's it's mind-blowing already like you said the way he plays is modern john lynch is a box safety steve atwater is a box safety these guys do not have the stats they do not have the like the film 
it's it's so frustrating. Right, but, but they they sold VHS tapes of those dudes given concussions, and so sure. they get they get to go into the hall. Steve Atwater's won one more Super Bowl, but John Lynch has won one Super Bowl. That's the same as Leroy Butler. It is. I, I would also offer this, despite how frustrated this has made me. Leroy Butler's getting in. I mean, he is. Oh yeah, ninety-eight percent certainty, yeah. and, and it's probably it going to be year. next year. The yeah. class is very weak. The incoming class. I think Demarcus Ware. Maybe Demarcus Ware is the only guy who's going to get in. I don't even know if Demarcus Ware is going to be a, a first, you know, first I'm, time. I'm not sure he's going to. It, that's going to be. I think so. I think there's enough fringe guys from like right now that deserve to get in. Yep. Yeah. And Packard, so they're going to. Packard fans are loud, and Leroy deserves to be in. And yes. it's going to. It's going to happen next year. Well, I mean, How? nobody on these all-decade teams, which are things selected by the Hall of Fame, that's not the same voting committee, but it's yeah. it's prestigious enough that, like I said, every one of those guys gets into the Hall. There's, I mean, Ronnie Lott's a second team on the 90s, which obviously he's first team on the 80s. <laughs> so, like, a second team center, or second team safety, <laughs> the centers are in, too. Deronnie Dawson, he's in. The second team safety, he's in, and, and Leroy Butler's not. Uh, that's completely misleading, but, like, He's going to get in between the class. Tony Baselli will get in next year. He's been he's been there five times. Next year will be number six. Yep. Maybe Richard Seymour. Nobody else has more appearances. Sam Mills might get in in his last year, although they did just let Clay Matthews, you know, sort of rotate over to the senior committee. So that's possible too. Leroy's getting in, and it's probably going to be next year. So we can relax about it then, but right now it seems very unjust. It does. So I, I got Derek Brooks definitely better, right? Um, Rondé Barber, he's better. Um, he's a finalist as well. Simeon Rice, I think, is better. Um, let's see. Uh, I think much better. Simeon Rice is awesome. Uh, <laughs> Warren Sapp, definitely better. Uh, what do you think about Booger? He was on that team. Mm, I think Booger would be an equal. Okay, that's fine. Um, all right, that that actually might do it for 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 sure is better than him. <laughs> so a little better than I thought. That could be worse. So I said seven. So I'm I'm not too far off. I don't think so. I mean, Shelton Quarles, he's pretty good. I don't know. If hey, is is uh, Donnie Abraham is probably better actually. I forgot about is him. Is John Lynch the Mike Allstott of the defense? He, he is. He he is absolutely the Mike Allstott of the defense. <laughs> he put a, he put out a couple good highlights. He had a bunch of big hits, but in the end, his not impact on the game was was not great. Yes, Mike Allstott. I, I really do think his front office experience it's it's similar to when you when you are nominated for an academy award it's to your benefit to be in other movies that are doing well like you might have this art house movie that's got you nominated but if you're also in a marvel movie that's huge for your candidacy i don't know how real that is but it's perceived i think I it's really, incredibly real i, I think, think it is too i think he's I think in too. because in the, in the same way that okay I, I know i keep bringing this up and it's kind of like a meme at this point buda baker made the pro bowl as a rookie um, cause he was almost good enough to be a pro bowl safety. However, he made it in as a special teamer, even though Jeff Janis had the better year as a gunner. So that was the year that Jeff Janis should have been in the pro bowl. Buda Baker made it in because he was a better safety and they just snuck him in as a special teamer. Yeah, yeah. And that's John Lynch is a very good front office, former player. And that's why he's in. If he was not a front office person, I don't think we'd be talking about this right now. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, his, his, his place as a finalist predates him as a GM. I mean, I know he'd been involved in football, but like, it's not like his team went to the Super Bowl and then he became a finalist. So that should be said too. Like this does predate it to a degree, but it's also, you know, you're, you're there every year, eight times you've had success. You're in the spotlight right now. These guys know you, these journalists know you. It's just a natural thing. It's a, it's a natural thing. And I, I think you could make an argument that John Lynch should be there eventually. 
it just uh you know you see three safeties in two years yeah. get get placed in and one of them isn't Leroy butler you just it just stings <laughs> did you guys see did the, you guys oh, oh sorry go ahead. i bet we're, i bet we're going to talk about the same thing but did you see the espn uh bio of charles woodson that had um the last part of it is charles woodson yes. having invented the lambo leap what yep. yeah yeah ESPN was it ESPN Milwaukee or ESPN something some ESPN affiliate in Wisconsin put yep. together a little bio and clearly just got their signals crossed. <laughs> now, I, I'm thinking is is a a kid who heard you know heard a conversation and uh, a younger like intern type and just uh, just got signals crossed or yep. something. That's, it was, that was, it was still funny. funny. Yikes! They also had a picture of Woodson as a Raider as the thumbnail for that. For that uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny is is. Uh... I I had just in an argument with someone that Woodson was not a Hall of Famer before he came to the Packers. I I agree with hmm. that. I think he's he's fringe in my mind. I think he gets considered, uh, and he I, I definitely think he gets considered if he plays as many years after that, whether he's with the Packers or not. But that yeah. that's the thing is is he came to the Packers on his way out of the league. You're right. Yeah, I mean, You're right. He's coming he, off he, a broken, a pretty bad injury. I think he probably still plays again, but he wasn't in demand. We all know this. That's definitely mm-hmm. part of the story. So yeah. he. He played 150. He started 151 games in Oakland over 11 years. So that includes his second stint in Oakland. I'm on. I'm on. I'm on his Pro Football Reference right here. Um, he had two pick sixes in Oakland, with 27 interceptions and 398 yards total, <laughs> with 84 passes defense in 151 games. I'm just laughing um, because he brought 11 back in again with Green Bay in seven years. 11. He did amazing. Uh, that that includes that includes playoffs. He he brought back nine in the regular season sure, with the Packers. Sure. So in a hundred games with the Packers, he had 38 picks with nine to the house and 99 passes defense. Um, the only thing that he beats his Packers stats in in Oakland is forced fumbles. He had 18 versus 15 in the with the Packers. So like in in 50 fewer games, like if you were to look at these as two different different players one of these players is john lynch and one of these players is leroy butler (laughs) (laughs) in 50 fewer games he was a way better player yeah and he came to green bay at 30 it it is amazing he came so late and corners usually just tank after 30 you can almost set your watch to it and not with charles he he, all-time greats have that they just last forever and um he he did he, he went back to the raiders and played more <laughs> and and he played very he had two picks in one game against yeah. peyton manning the, well against the the corpse of peyton Manning. totally let him go too early so oh well. well that was that was ted man let you go a couple years too early as opposed yep, to a couple usually years worked too out but not on that one <laughs> i think i'm wrong i think woodson did have 9 11 in his career but, okay. uh, but but still tremendous tremendous obviously gets the ring you know, gets get sort of mentors. Uh, the, the Packers have had very good defensive backs until the last, you know, recently they've been really good the last two years. They had a little stretch there three to four years before that where they were bad. But with Woodson here, everybody played up, you know, like a lot of guys kind of, you know, Sam Shields is a really good example. Yep. Morgan Burnett, like these guys became really good players. Jermon Williams too, an unheralded, oh, out of, you know, out of college player and turned into one of the best in the league. Is Is Woodson the best overall defensive back of all time? It's a hard thing to define, um, right? I right, like because because Dion, well, you can say Dion's the best cover corner. Yes, you can, say, you can say maybe Rod Woodson. Like like the three guys I think that you could discuss would be Rod Woodson, Charles Woodson, and Ronnie Lott. I think those are your three contenders for goat DB. 
and and the the, the job changed like ronnie lott yes. is similar to john lynch like he yeah. can't do what he could do back then and get away with it charles woodson's game is so difficult to define because he was good at so many different aspects of it yep. in a way his stats probably don't even reflect how dominant he was and how many ways he could affect the game and when he started declining he changed the way he played yeah and continue to contribute at a high level. But I think I, I think you could drop 2009 Charles Woodson in any era of football, and he would be the best player on the field. That's probably true. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I agree uh, with you. Uh, so some of that stat is a little bit of a cheat because that's true. Um, almost any player from 2009 would <laughs> be able to dominate football have, in any era below like 1985 or so. Okay, but like you couldn't you couldn't take a, a successful pre. God, who was it? Was it Ty Law? Who was it that like ruined? the DB rules on the Patriots in 2004. Probably when they Ty made... Law. Yeah, so like like a pre-Ty Law destroying Peyton Manning um, rule change. So like 2002, 2003, take a good DB from there. They probably couldn't play today because they would be too handsy. They would be Legion of Boom handsy. Yeah, okay, that's fair. And so I'm thinking like Woodson could play even with athletes in old rules. Like, I, I don't know. I'd, yeah. It's we. It's really funny. We the internet is so pissed off about goat arguments right now because of the Super Bowl, <laughs> and I'm in here like let's talk about Charles Woodson as the goat. Like, <laughs> well, I I mean I I think in terms of all around, it's a good cause, but so many of those arguments are stupid because they're just semantically wrong. Like, you get I've mentioned so my brother my brother Danny in here. He owns a CrossFit gym. There's that meme going around about Tom Brady being the greatest athlete of all time. Like <laughs> Danny, of course, immediately like, no, 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 no. That's not what they mean. They don't mean he's the greatest. A- they mean he's the most successful. Like his RAS score. <laughs> yeah. They mean he's the most successful in his sport. That's what they're right. talking about. But what's about. funny is he's not even that. Like, he kind like of it's, is. It's Serena Williams by a mile. Well, well okay. You're, oh, sorry. Oh, he, in, in football? He yes, is the most the successful most... in football, but you're he's right. In... There are there are better examples in other sports. You're right about like, that. Like I, even because the thing that bothers me about the Tom Brady thing is yeah, it's a team sport. Hashtag QB wins all that crap. Yeah. The, but there are people who have similar grand achievements in their sport. Yeah, that Robert also Ory. that also require. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, I thought you said Russell Orhe for a second. No. Who is a uh, power lifter? I, of course, I, there's no reason you would ever. I, I said Robert Torrey, <laughs> the famous basketball player who. Big shot, said, Bob. Yes, big shot. Um, Bob. But like Serena Williams, you could say has as many, as much of a resume in her sport as Brady does in his, and hers is much more athletically taxing yeah. than what Brady does. Let's not do a goat discussion. It's just <laughs> true. It's annoying. and also everyone knows that the best athlete of all time is Lasha Talakadadze no, no. from Georgia. No. He's he's an Olympic weightlifter. Yeah, he's the, the strongest. The man problem with these players. arguments is that they are just arguments about language, not about what anybody's actually done. So, uh, which is an annoying argument to have. So, yes. All right. Should we should we talk about coaches? Coaches, because uh, we got new ones. I was Joe I was procrastinating. You don't want to talk about coaches? Coaches are fun. I don't want to talk about Joe Barry. Let's talk about Maurice Drayton about, then. I don't want to talk about fake Wade Phillips. I don't want to talk about fake. Uh, Vic, Vic, Fangio. Vic Fangio. I love fake big time. <laughs> uh, I do want to talk about Maurice Drayton really quick because I did some reading reading up on him just to get a better sense of who he was, and I, I like him a lot more after reading up about some of his his, his history in football. Um, so he played football at Citadel, which is already kind of cool. Like um, w- w- playing football in military academies, its own kind of thing. Uh, is that where Travis Jervy? It is, is where Travis Jervy. Travis Jervy. Yes. <laughs> 
That is correct. The other we famous... brought up Jeff Janice. We gotta get Travis Cherby yeah, out here. Too. Yeah, part of the John Lynch All Stars. Um, <laughs> and so he he played um, he played in college, and he was always undersized for everything that he could potentially play. So he was always a special teamer, and he says that he he kind of developed an appreciation for playing special teams because he always got pigeonholed into it. And like strategy around it, which I think is an interesting way to come come across it. Um, and you know, doing that at a I'd say you know a very you know military place like the Citadel um, leads you to kind of look at the steps that go into doing things. And I think um, we may have a good one there. You know, you can never you never can tell until these guys actually have to get out there and execute. But uh, like all of Maurice Stratton's experience seems like he should be a really good special teams coordinator with a good understanding of like what you have to do, the physical nature of it and, and all that good stuff. And Citadel players are fun. And he did coach Pat McAfee when he was at Indy. So I got I got very worried because of that exact fact. So he coached. Uh, he was an assistant special teams coach he for was. the Colts in, yes. in 2016. The timing of that worried me. Why is that? Was Pat okay, McAfee well, terrible? No, so anytime a single play in the NFL gets a Wikipedia article about it, it's a very, very important play. Okay. Colt special teams. Uh, the Miracle in Motown. Yes, that's right. There's also one called the Colt's Catastrophe. <laughs> okay. The Colt's Catastrophe might be the worst play to ever happen in the history of the NFL. Uh, I can think of some that are probably worse, but explain. Uh, on fourth down against the New England Patriots, the Colts lined up in a swinging gate play with their punter, and the Patriots did not fall for it. They lined up three over center, and they snapped it. Oh, I know exactly what <laughs> I know the one. I, 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 yes, that did not work at all. It's very YouTube. It's fun to watch. So, so it turns out, turns out that was 2015. It was well, the year before he joined the staff. He, also, he would not have called that. That would not have been his job. So that's fine. But I was a big fan of McAfee. Walk, it was, I don't remember if it was McAfee or the center. I was walking over to their coach, and he kept going. You could see it on TV. He kept going, why did you snap that? <laughs> <laughs> that play is amazing. Butt fumble, tuck rule, holy roller. Sorry, Brandon Bostic play. Uh, Ghost to have their own Wikipedia. Yeah. Goes to the post. <laughs> That's a real thing. Okay. It's, if Ken Staler was alive today, would he be in the Hall of Fame? No. I don't think so. Quarterbacks are too easy to judge. Yeah, too, yeah too I, many I, stats. I also agree. I think I think he was a had he not gotten a posthumous uh, induction, it, I don't think it would be happening right now. <laughs> you know, here's the thing though about the football Hall of Fame. I, I I don't know how many people know who's in the football Hall of Fame. Like th this is obviously we're passionate about the Leroy Butler thing, and I know some Packer fans are. But in going through looking at all these lists, like I couldn't have told you that some I didn't know Aeneas Williams was in the Hall of Fame and he just went in not that long ago. You know, oh. like even players I remember watching are in there and I just wouldn't have known that. <laughs> like it's not there is prestige. Of course there is. You get, you know, a jacket and bust and stuff. But like it, it isn't it isn't quite the hallowed institution that like where, where we can just say. You know, here's here's 20 guys that were great, but maybe not like all time great. Yeah. If you could say, are they in it's, or out? It's tough. It's weird, too, because it is a big tent Hall of Fame for a lot of positions. And then it, it is a small tent Hall of Fame for other positions. Like there are not a lot of offensive linemen that make the Hall of Fame. There not are kickers, not a lot of kickers, not a lot of punters, just the one. Um, so it's it's very unbalanced. They should probably do something to address that. No, but, there's there's a, a, a Paul Hornings in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Yes, fine. Fair enough. 
Harry Kramer kicked for three days, you know, you are, for a few a few games. Yes, you're technically correct. The best kind of correct. The best kind of correct. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I like Maurice Drayton. He seems like a good hire. Um, maybe he won't be, but uh, special teams, I think, is mostly, you know, it's it's some strategy, but it's also a lot of coaching up on inexperienced players very quickly, and that is its own skill set. Because I also, you get the dregs. Like, you get the guys who aren't going to play, and you got to yeah. coach them up into something worthwhile. That's hard to do. But I also appreciate special teams being coached by a formal special teamer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... If you get a coach who special teams is beneath them very much like special like because something that people don't realize about special teams in the NFL, a lot of special teamers in the NFL were still the best guy on their college roster and they weren't special teamers in college and and special teams was beneath them in college. And so they have to be coached up to also have the mentality that this is an important part of the game. Yeah. And I think having former special teamers coach it is better than having someone who's using it as a stepping stone, like someone who wants to become an offensive quality control consultant to eventually become an assistant head coach. That guy is not going to coach special teams as well as like course, the special teams guy. Of yep. course, Anthony Lynn was head coach of the Chargers, and the Chargers had just a horrible special teams unit. Not the same exactly, but <laughs> he was head coach. A long time. He was, yeah, I know, right, right. Coach. Wasn't special teams coach, but long time special teamer, not good special teams. Very true. But yes. All right, and the other big change that happened is the Packers hired. Steve. There was well, hold up. There was what? there was another there was another big change. What's what happened? The... The, I we we fired Petten. We're still waiting on. No, it's done. No, it's, no, we're waiting. No, <laughs> we're not waiting. It's over. We're waiting on Wade, man. <laughs> it's clearly not going to be Wade. Although <laughs> Wade's a good part of the story, so at least there's that. So they hired Joe Barry, who was the linebackers coach slash. <laughs> assistant head coach of the Rams, which uh, Joe Barry is a whole thing, man. So first of all, in Acme Packing Company Slack, we all had we had, we had everybody ranked of who we liked. We all liked Jim Leonard the best, or at least most of us did. And by all accounts, they made an offer to him. And he wants to stay in Madison, and that's fine. More power to him. I totally get that, and I totally get the draw of being a college assistant versus an NFL assistant, too. He's a well-compensated one. He's very successful. That's fine. Um, he's also an heir apparent. He's also an heir apparent. He is very likely to become the head coach there at some point in time. And also, I think everybody kind of wants that um, from the Wisconsin perspective. Uh, he is a, he is a superstar in the making. We talked a lot about a lot about Jim. He, he comes across very well in collision low crossers. He's basically been successful everywhere. And uh, he, uh, I think, would have done a great job, but didn't get him. So um, everybody's second favorite in APC Slack was Ejero Evero. And he was apparently a finalist, although you can find a lot of differing opinions on the finalists. Um, yeah, I think in, uh, in Silverstein's list today, he actually had Chris Harris as one of the finalists or somebody they liked really well. Um, in addition to Azure Ever, I didn't know that until today. Um, he has little experience. Uh, I remember him mostly as a bear, a pretty good one, um, but uh, in a few years, somebody to keep an eye on. But they went and hired Joe Barry, who is nobody's favorite. Um, <laughs> and Joe, Joe Barry. It's going to be the title of his memoir. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Barry has a lot of baggage. We'll get into all the baggage, but he, he's most famous or most infamous for being the defensive coordinator of the Owen 16 Lions team, um, the most recent one. And uh, if you may be wondering, well, maybe he was he didn't have much talent. True. Maybe he was better by analytics. He wasn't. Um, and <laughs> may, maybe the offense was bad and the defense didn't let them down. Not true. They gave up the most points in the league by a whole lot. They had the worst DVO in the, le- DVOA in the league. They were bad. So he did that. Um, and that's all 
bad. Uh, that was his first defensive coordinator job. Compounding the fact that he did that is the fact that he got the job because he was um, the coach's son-in-law. And uh, so he, that's not a good look when you are the worst defensive coordinator in football <laughs> and you got hired because you married the coach's daughter. It's not, not how you want to <laughs> go down. Um, so that was bad. He got fired two years later. By the way, he took over the two, uh, he took over the Lions in 2007, the defense. Um, they were the worst defense in the league in 2007 as well, even though the Lions went seven and nine. Their offense carried them to seven wins. And then they were, again, the worst defense in the league in 20, 2008. So they were the worst defense in the league both of the years he was there. Wasn't So 2007 Lions, that was like Kitna throwing it up to Megatron? I believe that's correct, yes. Okay. <laughs> I believe that was a Kitna year. Um, so, yeah. Um, so not a good way to start. And then he, he went back to being a coordinator for a couple of years. And then he got hired again as defensive coordinator by Jay Gruden in Washington. Um, and again, it wasn't quite as bad as in Detroit, but did not go well. And I think this is where our st story really begins, because if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you've heard Matt mention a couple of times that he's been reading some Son of Bomb, Wade Phillips' um, autobiography, and mentioned a couple of times that there's a part in there where somebody's interviewing a coach and uh, they interview Wade, and they, they have a, a very strange interview with Wade. And Wade walks away thinking, oh, they're not going to hire me. They just grilled me on some stuff for a while. That was weird. And then they hired another coach and decided to have him run all the stuff Wade talked about in his interview. And uh, we've talked about that in the abstract before. But the coach that the Redskins hired in, instead of Wade was, in fact, Joe Barry. Um, so... <laughs> They hired Joe Barry to run Wade's system, um, which so so I guess yeah. I should I should interject there. Yep, sort of, sort of. I agree. Um, so the 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 true the true um actual like the the long interview where they stole his scheme uh -huh. was was Schottenheimer. Oh, was it? Yeah. So okay. so his interview with Schottenheimer was the one where the there was a, the Chargers okay. he was coaching. Yeah. Which also, by the way, rest in peace, Marty Schottenheimer. Yeah, that was that was rough. Um, a lot of really good stories about him are surfacing on the internet. Mm -hmm. Turns out he was a pretty he great guy. guy. Um, so yeah, so Schottenheimer um, used Wade's scheme, uh, but so that was the first time where someone was Got pretending it. to be him. The second time was because this person learned his scheme third hand. Yeah. So Wade says he, he, Wade had been the highest paid defensive coordinator in football prior to this for the Houston Texans where he worked under Gary Kubiak. Um, he blames that salary as causing him to miss out on a lot of opportunities uh, for guys going a little cheaper. He, he got the Washington interview and um, he, they hire Joe Barry. He's nice and is saying like Joe Barry seems like a good guy. Um, but Joe Barry just runs my scheme, which he learned from John Pagano at his last <laughs> job. Um, and uh, just, to quickly, um, I, I wrote a piece on nepotism and Joe Barry this week, and I just want to point out this chapter is full of it um, because Wade Phillips is Wade Phillips. He's the son of Bum. That's his autobiography. He got into the sport by being Bum Phillips' son, working for him at Oklahoma State and the Saints and a bunch of other places. Um, this interview is with Jay Gruden, John Gruden's younger brother. Um, Joe Barry learned Wade Phillips' system through John Pagano, Chuck Pagano's younger brother. And... <laughs> Everybody is somebody's brother in this stupid story. So, um, so Joe Barry. Well, how did? So yeah, it was how did Joe Joe Barry knew Jay Gruden through? Well, they his worked wife? at Tampa together. 
They worked okay. They worked at Tampa together under John Gruden. They were they were <laughs> J, J, yes, John Gruden's younger brother was on staff with Joe Barry after Joe Barry got fired by his father-in-law. So, um that's <laughs> that's how all this went. Um good good times. So th- there's a lot of familiar relationships. Um, the Washington gig did not go well. He ended up getting fired. Then he went back to the Rams, where he worked with Wade Phillips. And, <laughs> and it all came around. Um, Wade was the defensive coordinator in 2017 when Joe Barry joined. Ran that offense for two years. Wade was fired. Uh, not fired. His contract was not renewed, just like Mike Pettin's. Um, and they went with Brandon Staley, who runs a slightly different but somewhat similar defense. And here we are today. Uh, so, <laughs> in the paper this morning, um, Tom Silverstein wrote a very in-depth piece um, just noting all of the sort of nepotistic things about Joe Barry and also noting that, you know, that the Packers understand it maybe isn't the best look to hire um, Matt LaFleur's buddy when they are overlooking two African-American coaches, Jerry Gray being the other one. Um, well, that's three only... if we're counting Chris Harris and right? Chris Harris too. Yeah, they, they, Chris they, Harris. I didn't, yeah, that's a good point. They, they, I hadn't had Chris Harris top of mind, but they noted in the article. And if he really was a finalist, that is also true. Chris Harris was also passed over. Um, and, and also note that the, the primary reason that they decided to go with Joe Barry is because they want Matt Lafleur would like to run a, a version of Vic Fangio's defense <laughs> next year, and um, Brandon Staley the the Rams defensive coordinator last season, who's now the head coach of the Chargers, runs a version of Vic Fangio's defense. And by virtue of being the linebackers coach, and this is paraphrasing Tom's article, um, he has a good understanding of the meshing of the secondary and the front of of how the defense works together and interviewed well on the implementation of Vic Fangio's defense. Um, the they went on to say that he has the same number of years experience in that defense as Evero. They were both worked in it together for one year. And so that's why they hired him. So um, there is one problem with this particular recounting of the facts. And that is that Ezio Evero actually worked for Vic Fangio uh, <laughs> from 2011 to 2014 when Fangio was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Nobody else in this story has worked for Vic Fangio at all. And, uh, if you did want to hire somebody to run Vic Fangio's scheme, there are, in fact, a lot of coordinators and coaches out there who have worked for Vic Fangio in the past, and they didn't interview any of them. So it's it's a weird story. It's a weird way to frame this. And it doesn't look great for Matt LaFleur because it looks a lot like he did what Jay Gruden did and hired one of his friends from one of his former teams. So that's where we are. Um, <laughs> he hasn't been successful. Um Two of the opportunities he's gotten in the past have been because of familial relations and because he was literally a friend with one of the head coaches, and that looks like it may have happened again. So, um, woo, yeah, um, good. Story, you know what? Yeah. Maybe this is this is his middle finger to Murphy for sticking him with someone he didn't want. Oh, <laughs> Could be. I don't, I, say like he got stuck with Patton for two years. And I he don't didn't want Patton. I don't think it's any more complicated than people are comfortable with people they've worked with before. Right. And people they trust. And that's probably what this is more than anything else. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's gonna, see, go ahead. Oh, so, I was going to say, uh, no, actually, I'm going off on a tangent. Go ahead. Oh, goodness. <laughs> the timing is, is bad all by itself. Yeah. But then consider this these factors, too, 
We're, right now, nepotism in, in NFL hiring is kind of top of mind. It, it's been brought up a lot lately anyway, but then you have a situation like Britt Reed, the son of Andy Reed, getting into a car accident prior to the Super Bowl. This guy has some history dating back to 2007, yep. has remained a coach in the NFL, and is on staff when he hits a car. But, you know, we, we don't know all the details, but he supposedly, you know, according to reports, admitted that he'd been drinking leaves a child with a brain injury a five-year-old is you know in intensive care so that's that's been top of mind anyway uh that's that's a very loaded story there's a lot to unpack there but uh then you have the fact that the in the super bowl we just had two coordinators for tampa bay that just won a super bowl who are coaches of color in yep. byron leftwich and todd bowles i wanted to especially mention todd bowles here um freaking amazing performance yeah. and everyone knows it you know it's not a secret Eric Bieniemy of the Kansas City Chiefs is a all-world offensive coordinator right now who has built sort of an offensive powerhouse. They don't win the Super Bowl, but, you know, none of those guys right now are head coaches in the NFL, and there's maybe some reasons, you know, I, I, there's a lot of reasons, I guess. But it's it's just – it felt like this could have been a moment, and I mentioned it last podcast, it could have been a moment where Matt LaFleur now having some experience could go with somebody who's fresh, you know, a new face, a new new set of eyes. You know, you talked about how Evero had worked in several different systems and, and that – that could make him a, a potentially attractive candidate. But I, the, as I think about this, I, I think about how loaded the word experience has become, yep. especially if we're talking about NFL coaching, like experience is important. You want somebody who knows their stuff. Of course you do. And, and you want that rapport with the head coach, but how did you get that experience? Is it because you knew somebody in the league in the first place, as we've mentioned in these examples, is it because, and this goes back decades and decades where, you know, we didn't see many, many coaches of color at all on the sideline at all. And, and so now you have, you know, as this gets handed down through the ages, through nepotism and just through what people are quote unquote comfortable with, you know, it feels like this was an opportunity to buck that trend a little bit. I, I'm not going to deny that I, I appreciate the social justice aspect of that, but I just think it's also good business, you know, bring in people who have fresh perspectives and, and play, you know, younger guys, uh, you know, people of coaches of color, they're, they're going to be able to connect with players. They're going to be able to offer something that we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. The retread thing is so weird. And, and I mean, Joe Barry might be amazing, and I hope he is, of course. But like he's had, he he's had not one opportunity, but two as a defensive coordinator. It's not completely his fault that it didn't work out because it's never one person's fault. But give somebody else a shot, right? Like this just feels like, oh man, with Matt Lafleur, a young coach who himself was hired, sort of with no track record, it feels like this is the time that they could have hired somebody like that. I really was warmed up to the idea of Evero. But there are a lot of other guys out there that I think would have made would have made a, a more you know just a better hire it yep. seems than Joe Barry. Mm -hmm. It really does kind of feel like they they lost Leonard who they really wanted and just went with like a comfortable easy backup plan instead <laughs> of digging again. So to to reference the the famous Acme Packing Company Slack this morning, John Meerdink, Acme Packing Company Power Sweep, uh, uh, Blue fifty fifty two fifty eight. What's his name of his podcast? I forget. Sorry, uh, anyway, uh, sorry, Blue something <laughs> Blue 58. Yes, aha. Um, okay, so John said, uh, maybe my perspective is slanted right now, but a quote unquote real business with Jim turning them down would be that's when you reopen your search and really consider your next move. Yeah. You don't just jam your friend into your open hole. And then I <laughs> and then I said, lol, phrasing, and then yes. he said, I know what I said, <laughs> but. But oh, John has a good point. If if this was if this was a corporate world and your number one candidate turned you down, you don't immediately go to your number two or three candidate. You go, oh well, maybe there's a reason that this guy wasn't my number 
number one and could find someone who fits the bill better. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I did want to bring up Todd Bowles again because one of the biggest superstars of the offseason was Brandon Staley, who was the Rams' defensive coordinator. And the Rams had a good year on defense. They were f- fourth overall in DVOA. That's really good. But I, I think Bowles has been more impressive than him as a defensive coordinator. Tampa's fifth, but they are better recently. They won the Super Bowl. And th- they shut down the Packers twice. And the the Chiefs of all teams, like, completely. Nobody else did that. You know, like, the Rams got kind of owned by the Packers. That defense did not stand up well to playing against a good offense. And Staley just waltzed into the Chargers job without question. Um and and Bowles is still on on the Bucks, and it's it's just weird to see. Um, he should be the superstar here. He had one of the best coordinator seasons I think I've ever seen a guy have. Uh, the Tampa defense is very very impressive, and it, it's just weird to see that kind of thing happen. Like it, Brandon Staley might be fantastic, but uh, he took over a team that was already good. Like Wade Phillips in 2019 had the ninth best defense out of the Rams. And you got them to fourth. That's like statistically insignificant. <laughs> you also Who have cares? Wade Phillips. The Wade Phillips defense held the Patriots to ten points. Yes, that happened um, <laughs> in the in, in the, the Super in Bowl the Super and lost. <laughs> so, anyway, it's it's just a the nepotism thing. It's not not good timing, and it's not good practice. Like Matt Lafleur was an unknown to the Packers who. I assume had to do some tough interviewing and explain away a not that successful Titans season that he coordinated the year before and must have impressed in doing so. Nobody here knew who Matt LaFleur was other than that he was associated with Shanahan and McVay. And he did a good enough job in the interviewing to convince strangers that he should be trusted being the head coach. And then he turns around and for his first defensive coordinator hire, hires a buddy and doesn't do the same thing. I just don't like to see that. It rubs me the wrong way. And I can understand with Bulls recently coming off the Jets head coaching job, you know, sure. I guess there isn't quite a big enough halo. And, you know, there are a lot of guys out there who are just, re- we've talked about this, good coordinators and not good head coaches. Also maybe, true. Maybe that's Todd Bulls. Maybe he doesn't even want to be a head coach. It just, you know, it's not about the individual examples as much as it is just about the trend overall and having the Packers fit into that trend. I think it would have been, you know, the Packers have had coordinators you know, of color before, you know, Ray yeah. Rhodes has been head coach and, and obviously had a, you know, had a big role in building this team as well as a coordinator. Like it's, it, it would, I still think having the Packers brand embrace that idea and bring in somebody, you know, somebody of, you know, like that who hasn't had a chance yet. I think that would, would be a big statement. I do think we're sort of seeing the, the lines dissolve a little bit where it is, it is becoming more, you know, more just a simple good idea to start bringing in more, you know, more candidates of color and, and kind of trying to get away from the perception that NFL coaches are just white, 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 white. Uh, but uh, as the nepotism study shows, we're a long way to go. And it would just be nice if the Packers would kind of move that forward. And, um, you know, again, maybe he's the best coach ever. I felt this way about Mike Budenholzer when the Bucks hired that him. You know, I thought this would be a, a phenomenal opportunity to get Becky Hammond a head coaching job. I really yeah. thought that that was a great opportunity. You know, it, it, it wasn't the direction they went. They went with a quote unquote retread and he gave them, you know, he led them to the two best regular seasons in the NBA back-to-back years. Like, um, people have issues with him, but, <laughs> like, do, he's, <laughs> he's still, like, that was a good hire. I, and this may be a good hire. It's just as far as the evidence goes, mm, yeah, feels like they could we'll have see. moved in a, in a more interesting direction. Yep. So, meme of the week here is of my own creation. Um, there was a discussion about the 0-16 Lions. Uh, 
and someone said, hey, I'm pretty sure that's the guy who drove naked through a Wendy's in 2008 as the coach yes. of the 0-16 Lions. And someone goes, no, nah, that was a D-line coach, Joe Cullen. So Joe Barry did not drive naked through a Wendy's. Yes. Interesting fact, Joe Cullen was just hired to be the defensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars three weeks that ago. That happen. <laughs> Feel free to bring it up. And by the way, so, Matt, you were correct. That was the John Kitna, Calvin Johnson um, team then. And Calvin was hurt a lot of the year. So um, Sean McDonald actually led that team in targets, which wow. is really something. So. Another thing about the Lions wide receivers in 2007. Uh, 4-0 in the preseason, baby. Yep. Mike Mike Furry had a lot of catches that year too. <laughs> oh, no, you want to you want to know what? What was that dude's name? Mike Furry. Mike Furry, with two R's. Two That's R's. Right. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> Another example of nepotism. Current strength and conditioning coach for the Raiders is Deuce Gruden, John Gruden the second. Do you know what Do you know what John Gruden the second's resume is? Being John Gruden's son, I would imagine. Well, he's he's jacked out of his mind. But in 2017, okay. he won the IPF World Championship in his. Ah, in his. However, right. being a great power lifter does not make you a great athlete. There's <laughs> no linear move. I, I know this. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a great power lifter, but I know them, and they are not good athletes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're hoping for the best. Yeah. yeah. So I do I do have one ray of hope okay. I want to I wanted to bring up. From Justice Mosqueda, of all places. Um, Justice had a take. It was very soothing. It's a very soothing take about Barry. And I, I appreciate this. I, I'm, I'm going to read it verbatim. So friend of show, Jonathan Deal, said, I need to know what Justice, Justice thinks. Justice responded. He said, I think Green Bay cast a wide net and offered someone else the job before LaFleur hired the familiar face, which is a good sign to start. Who knows what assistant head coach really means, but McVay is pretty hands-off defensively, and the DC who got hired to head coach wanted him as part of his staff. So yeah, Barry was wanted by someone else. Um, if it's a, hey, we taught this old dog new tricks, and you basically got Brandon Staley as a defensive coordinator, that's a huge win. He has eight years of defensive coordinator and assistant head coach under his belt, so it's not the responsibility jump that's going to get him. We'll see what the games are live and no sooner. <laughs> so yeah, J justice is basically saying like basically what's what uh spoon was saying this morning that like maybe he can pretend to be someone else very well. Maybe so oh, hoping it's good. He was in demand. He might be able to do that, but yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, last thing. And then we'll move on to happier topics um, like making fun of Chicago. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it is odd to go after Jim Leonard and then swerve to we want to run the Vic Fangio defense because Jim Leonard does not run that defense. Jim Leonard is more of actually a Mike Pettin and Rex Ryan type. That's where he learned how to coach it. And that's kind of what they run. So um, I, and I understand if you get Leonard and then you have philosophy, that's fine. But it's it's just a weird line to take. So um, and they down. They also did downplay that they had actually made an offer to Leonard and um, that is ambiguous. I still think they did do that, or at least communicated that if the, he wanted the job, it was his. Um, take that for whatever you want. But uh, it, it does muck with their their line that Leonard is there first. So, yeah, anyway. I think that the Packers have a history of offering coordinators less than they're worth. They do. Russ is not uh, kind to them. <laughs> 
That is true. I mean, I do think though, like the more you think, I mean, what I think a coaching, the average coach is coach for four years, head coach. So a coordinator is probably right there, if not a little, le- you know, a little bit less. It's a tenuous thing to be a coach, a coordinator in the NFL. You're a tied to the head coach, and B, if you know things go south, you're you're quickly one of the people to blame before they blame the head coach. If you're Jim Leonard, you're going to have the job in Wisconsin as long as you want, and you probably are going to be head coach. That's if Jim Leonard wants it. That's a that's at least a decade. Like, I I mean, I, I can't even imagine what would get him out of Wisconsin unless he's fired for cause in the next decade. So it's hard to turn, you know devil you know versus the devil you don't like i don't know i feel like that uh i i totally understand why he'd choose wisconsin uh you know his alma mater his home like over over this i really do so college folks you you guys can tell me this better than i i would know myself something i've been seeing a lot on the twitter verse is when a college coach makes a promise to a recruit he keeps it <laughs> no he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> and so people are like I, like a lot of college fans are saying this on Twitter oh and, and it sounded Recruits like find out all the time that the position coach who brought them to a school has left for another job and they find out through Twitter yep. or okay, they right. find out through social happens something. all the time. It's just the nature of that beast. Right. I mean, that's just the way it goes. But yeah, so we feel like eh, Jim's going to take his promises seriously. That's why he, he Come stayed on. in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Come on. He stayed because that is a certainty. That job is very comfortable and, and he's great at it. And it's, it's a situation that he could see himself in for the next decade safely, if not longer. It's true. So the uh, I was hoping the Bears had closed the deal with Carson Wentz by now, and <laughs> it might not happen, but let, let's just briefly touch on why Carson Wentz sucks in case it does happen. Let's say this, too. We weren't sure we were going to do another episode of reporting is true. eligible. You know, the season was over, all that. Then the defensive coordinator breaks, you know, the Hall of Fame stuff. But, oh, wait, wait hold on. The Bears might trade for Carson Wentz? Let's... Re- Sound the sound the alarm. Let's get the team together. Yeah. It's time to talk about the Bears. Yes, Let's do that, it. That was literally when Paul blew the conch shell. And yes, was like, yes, it was. News team assemble. Because <laughs> it's because <laughs> it's the best possible news. It, it's it is sad that it hasn't happened yet. So, um, the Bears trading for Carson Wentz is like the Bearsiest thing ever. There's like ten different Bearsy things about it. Uh, the, first of all, he he's a bad quarterback, so that's a good Bears thing because they only signed them. Um, yeah, check check one. Um, they would be trading assets for a full market value Carson Wentz, not a full market value, like a, a, a full market value 2017 Carson Wentz based on his one good season that he had. Um, his his 14 good games. His 14 not even good his, games. It wasn't even a good hurt. season. So it, just just to, to make this explicit, they're paying for a quarterback who's on a contract for his best season ever, who's definitely not worth that much. So right there, like if you just went and signed him in free agency, you'd be overpaying. But they're also rumored to be giving up a, a first-round pick and a player and Nick Foles going back. At least that's what. And that, by the way, that player, the player was Tariq, Tariq Cohen. Cohen was the player. Yes. So what? Wait, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So so it was Bears give up Foles a first, Cohen. Yeah. And they get Wentz and a fifth. I think was the yep. the leak. <clears throat> and by the way, just. The Bears are not even the stupidest party in this because when the, the Eagles get that offer, they should be like, yes, 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 as quickly as possible. <laughs> sign it, sign it now. But purportedly, they're holding out for more, which the, uh, so honestly, the Eagles should be sending picks to get rid of Wentz. That's how this should be working out. That That is 
what this trade should be uh, or just you know eat it and move on the fact that they're getting anything for him is incredible so this is this is the brock osweiler trade this yes. should be the brock osweiler trade mm -hmm. his contract is crippling their cap is awful he's bad they should know he's bad because he's on their team and getting <laughs> anything back for him is incredible so they should have pounced all over that bears offer um recent reports as of an hour ago are that the bears are getting impatient and quote believe the eagles have overvalued wentz like yeah, I would agree with that. That sounds about right. The Colts are purportedly in on this too. Um, in case you're, you think maybe Wentz isn't bad or maybe can be reclaimed, um, first of all, if you think that Wentz, <laughs> if you think Wentz can be fixed, um, maybe maybe somebody could fix Wentz. However, Wentz's best season is 2017, and they had Frank Reich then. Um, Nick Foles was also on that team, led them to a Super Bowl, and Nick Foles played about as well as Carson Wentz. Nick Foles is a bear right now, and uh, the Bears did not actually get very much out of Nick Foles, and safe to say they're probably not going to get much out of Carson Wentz for the same reason that they're not getting anything out hey, of Nick Foles. You know who could potentially need a quarterback who has a quarterback whisperer in their in their coaching staff? The Cowboys. <laughs> Second thing, actually, after... speaking of the Cowboys, today after news started coming out that the bears trade likely fell through yeah. photoshops of Dak in a bears uniform started going around and oh, that terif that terrifies that is me. terrifying because Dak's yeah. actually good um, let's stick to photoshopping Wentz or Roethlisberger he would, or something Dak Dak would instantly be the best bears quarterback in franchise history right oh yeah uh luckman excluded yes absolutely yeah sorry luckman excluded in yeah. the modern modern, modern we'll just say in the modern times for sure Sid um, Luckman is like the Miami Dolphin, 1972 Dolphins version of a player. He's he is. just every year is a new opportunity to drink because people are talking about him, even though he like, oh, man, I mean, I he is remembered idea. very fondly for what he did because this is because, a good idea. We should pop champagne every year. The Bears don't have a better quarterback than Sid Luckman. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good idea. Oh, OK, I'm making that. Got to figure out a way to make that happen. Um, by the way, Wentz is one good year we should talk about his one good year because it's a fake good year it wasn't a good year there are there are some things driving it that are not sustainable the, the biggest one is he had a great season on third down and that if you're not good on first or second down and good on third down that's usually a sign that you've gotten lucky and and you'll regress to the mean and he has and when he has it came so back to earth for for long-time listeners of the show good frame of reference there is the bears when they were amazing on defense because they had turnovers was it two years ago uh yeah two years ago yeah they led they led the league in turnovers they did. so that's that's like third down percentage and third down success also weren't most of his touchdowns on third down they were Wentz also led the league by a lot on touchdown percentage he threw a touchdown on over seven percent of his passes that year led the league by a country mile that's also usually unsustainable it usually means that you've gotten quite lucky and doubly so because his completion percentage that year was only 60 percent uh, we expect most quarterbacks having good seasons to be 65 or higher. Aaron led the league this year with a 70% completion percentage. Um, that was, uh, Wentz is typically right around there. It's just that the rest of his performance has come down to not being that accurate a passer. And he's been more of what he really is the last couple of years. Now, this last season was especially bad. Wentz is better than he played in 2020. But Wentz led the league in sacks taken in 2020. And Wentz gets hurt all the time. So you've got a quarterback who's not as good as 
his best season, being paid like his best season, who got hit, who got sacked 50 times last year, um, and gets hurt all the time. I mean, the other thing about Carson Wentz is he's purportedly kind of a head case and kind of went a little bit nutso after Foles won the Super Bowl in his stead. Hasn't really been the same since. Now you're going to trade him to the team that had Nick Foles and put that pressure on him? I'm it's it's just a it's a fantastically terrible idea i love that the bears had it as an idea uh there are so many better options they could pursue and they just won't do it and that i, I just love them they are skeletor they're they're the bumbling adversary i've been working on my skeletor yeah. just because i, I, was hoping I hope it, it doesn't fall through i really want it to happen so bad if it falls through and they get dak like ugh. Not that's great. bad. That's, that's bad. bad. But hopefully it happens. Um, question for you: Have you guys seen any? This is why small school prospects don't work. Articles? Mm-mm. No, I I haven't either. I'm surprised. I, I figured like the downfall of Wentz would be like this is why you don't draft from NDSU. No, I haven't seen that at all. Isn't Josh Allen from a small school? Well, he Wyoming, went, yeah. But I mean, NDSU is Division Two. Okay. I don't, yeah. I don't well, college. Trey Lance is about to get drafted, so mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting yeah. timing on that front. Well, do you know who who Wentz's running back was? It's the yeah, the free agent that the Packers signed. Yeah, Packers legend John Crockett. John Crockett. Oh, it was John Crockett. Right. Okay. John Crockett was present for the miracle in Motown. He was the first person to hug Rogers. Very good. <laughs> That's excellent. let's do some uh, let's do some questions. Let's Hang on before. It. Before we move on completely, you reminded me Russell Wilson is getting beat up so much he's now demanding a trade. Yeah, but it's oh, Russell Wilson's that's... fault that he's getting beat up a lot. So. Um, uh, I had a fun conversation on the Twitter.com today. Dusty Evely, at Dusty Evely, follow him. He's awesome. He is. Um, Dusty is he awesome. Said... He's always editing his podcast at the same time I'm editing this and taking questions. So. Um, he said, it really went from let Russ cook to Russ asking, why did they let me cook? I don't like being hit. <laughs> And my response was, well, the nano bubbles must have worn off. Yep, indeed. <laughs> he didn't straight up ask for a trade either. It's a little bit more a little bit more nuanced than that. But well, yes. okay. Russell Wilson said, Why don't you ask the Seahawks if I'm available? Ah, yes. And also, <laughs> like you said, he did he did imply that his offensive line is letting him down, which like he did. throw the football, Russ. Well, actually, definitely throw the football if you're yep. because it's who knows where it's going at this point. Rough year for him. After he was, he was the MVP, like front runner for what the first eight weeks, yeah. seven weeks, eight weeks. About that. Yeah, him and him oh, and Aaron boy. were like one A, one B. Yep. Right. Went uh, downhill from there. <laughs> Patreon yeah. questions. Oh, I re- love this first one. Oh, quick, go ahead. Four Patreon questions. I got I got shirts from Appleton uh, Coffee Company. I got a hoodie and I got two uh, t-shirts, and I'm gonna yeah. give, give them away to patrons on March first. So. Um, and my hoodie is on its way, but I'm keeping it because I'm selfish, and it's a great hoodie. The hoodie's awesome. I have a hoodie, so I highly recommend the hoodie. If you don't, if you don't get one via me, I highly recommend buying one. They're not that expensive, and they're beautiful and super warm, and it's zero degrees. So, um, and if you use code RE at checkout, you, you save ten percent. And that they're already cheap even without that, and with with that, they're super good. Um, anyway, so March first, if you are a patron at the five dollar level or over, I will raffle them off. You can get a T-shirt or a hoodie. So. Anyway, questions. PJ Wessels, what is your favorite NFL offseason thing? This does not have to be an actual NFL activity like free agency <laughs> or the draft. Yeah. My favorite is free agency yeah, and the draft. draft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's better than uh, – mine is the draft. I, I do – so I, I hate a lot about the draft. I hate draft gurus. I hate people who make crap up. 
but I do like the numbers. Like draft numbers are fun. I like I like RAS. I, I like wait around to get RAS scores. I like running my draft my my college numbers. They're fun. I enjoy that. So that's my favorite thing. I like keybops wow. and drops. Breaking news: the baseball guy likes metrics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the way, Brewer, I really I uh, also favorite, I love Brewer's favorite to win the Central by Pakota. Eighty-eight Woo. wins. Woo. By a few games too, yeah, right? Three games. Incredible. Yeah. I love. I also love draft season because I love uh, superlatives. I love stupid coachisms. You, you know, uh, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Strong like ball, smart like tractor. Mm-hmm. Like I love terrible draft takes. I but however far and away, the absolute best thing about draft season is the phrase from fans: "There's no way he's there." Yeah, that's, that's a good that's one. Five, number 10, at number 25. Do you remember the last time uh the I re- the last time I remember being part of there's no way he's there was Haha Clinton Dix. Oh yeah. That did happen quite a lot. He got mocked to the Packers like once and people blew they're like there's no way that dude leaves the top 10. He's a safety at Alabama. Like no. And then he was there and the Packers actually took him and it was the first time that I remember I knew his name. I liked him as a prospect, and the Packers took him. Yep, I think Brian Bulaga before that was a guy that was was being mocked quite a bit higher, and then he fell to the Packers, and then they took him. You know, they never because the Packers never take the guy you want, that's right? True. Like, Especially that's when he's falling, of, except for Rodgers, mm-hmm. um, right? They didn't take Miles Jack. They didn't take T.J. Watt. They didn't. You know, they don't. They you know, don't take that you know who guy. I really wanted? Uh, Malcolm Brown. Do you know who they took instead of Malcolm Brown? Nope. Mm-hmm. Kenny Clark. Oh, okay. And Ted got Ted got lit up for that pick. You need a zero tech, and you took Kenny Clark. Who in the hell is Kenny Clark? Yeah, Ted did. Ted did good. I will say that for me, it's the Twitter conversation around the draft as well that is delightful. If we're getting really specific, it's Paul's trade back gif that oh, he's created with the Fat, Fat Joe. Joe trade trade back. Trade back. Is awesome. Trade back. <laughs> so good i do so good. that i changed my answer that's my favorite thing anytime i can use <laughs> i always hope i can use the trade back gift like four times per draft and every so, so often it happens so. Uh, <laughs> i do hate mock drafts and i hate like draft gurus who announce they have a new muck coming up that drives me crazy it's annoying i so i i like mock draft games that like give you scores because that's stupid <laughs> that, that is stupid um first dash pick.com is my favorite because their algorithm is completely broken you have trade offers every single pick you can trade back infinitely if you so yeah. choose and you could take the entire sixth and seventh round Let's say. And JR, you reminded me. Actually, it's a remake that GIF. I lost my copy of it on a computer this side. <laughs> oh no! And, and, I'll, I'll make it. And, I'll make it for you. Please do. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you like can't pull gifts off of Twitter that easily anymore. Yes, you can. I'll show you how. I would love to know that. Thank you for that as well. <laughs> hey, hey! If you guys want to watch me show these things to Paul, I'm going to do it on the Discord. Sweet. Join the Acme Packing Company Discord. <laughs> I'm going to ask Paul to leave a link in the show Trade notes. Trade back. Trade back. All right. <laughs> Brian Polakowski asks, "Who are some realistic veteran minimum signings that would be out there?" Hey, you, you skip Brian's. You skip Brian's first. We question. already answered oh, Brian's I did. first question. But what go is ahead the proper? What is the proper amount of lols or ha ha ha's if Wentz gets traded to the Bears? All of them. All of them. All of them. I would just. I will tell you this: if it happens, I'm very happy that Twitter doubled its character limit. So yeah, who are some realistic veteran minimum signings that might be out there to chase a ring with Rogers? J.J. Watt, 
Well to hear. Won't be a better minimum, but so I, I do think there'll be more cheap contracts than you normally get in a given season because the cap's going down and there's a lot of good free agents. Um, if they want uh, to go for like a really cheap receiver this year, this is the year to do it. There's like five All Pro receivers that are all free agents at the same time, and it's a good receiver class in the in the draft. So you can get like a mid tier guy for nothing. I'm pretty sure the guy I would target personally is actually Marvin Jones who is only 31 and will not get top-tier money, but will probably get very, very depressed mid-tier money and is still actually super good. Um, so I'm would, depressed watching him play against the Packers because he always seems to come up with... I'm, I'm a very does. depressed mid-tier podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, Alan Robinson actually just tweeted, I want to... He's like, I want to win a Super Bowl, man. I, I think he's going to cost you much. You might get some ring chasers this year because it's not a smart year to sign a multi-year contract. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to get your full value for it. So if you wanted to do a one-year cheap ring chasing year, this is a good year for it. And maybe you can get Robinson on something like that. But like receivers is super super deep. It's crazy. Like Corey Davis is a wide receiver who had kind of a breakout year. Um, well, shit. They should just sign Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, and then they don't need anything in the draft because hello, they need, that would be incredible. They need cornerbacks in the draft. Lots and lots of cornerbacks. Um, Cordero Patterson, you could probably get on league minimum if you want to improve your kickoff return game instantly. He's a free agent. And they need a running back. They, they don't <laughs> need a running back. No, they don't. They don't need that. They, that's ridiculous. I'm trying. I'm trying to beat you into talking about Aaron Jones. Not I don't want to talk about it. He doesn't matter, not that much. He matters a little bit. Philip Schumacher asks. I hate to ask this, but is Joe Barry above or below the Mike Pettin line? Besides the nepotism, what is your biggest worry about Barry as DC in terms of defensive philosophy, and what is your hope about Barry's approach? Obviously, we talked about most of this, but better or worse than Mike Pettin? What do you think? Hold up. Which one of you gave Philip a copy of the rundown? He read my article. That's why he has the nepotism <laughs> thing in it. Which I appreciate. Thanks, Philip. Um, I, I, so I think I put him below sight unseen. So this is ridiculous because we haven't seen him actually coordinate a defense yet, and he might be fine. But for all of Mike Patton's faults, like the one thing I know about him is he is a hardworking film grinder, and it's not like he's like got a totally inept system. It works kind of. They were mid tier this year, ah, so. I just don't have that much faith in Joe Barry. Last we saw Joe Barry coordinating a defense, um, he was heavily criticized for not bringing enough of a, of a pass rush, not blitzing enough to fix a poor pass rush, got in a couple of yelling matches and fistfights with his players on the sidelines in Washington um, for not being aggressive enough, and I don't like any of that. Now, it's been some time since then, and the Rams want run a much different defense. Vic, Vic Fangio, if you're asking him to copy Vic Fangio, runs a very aggressive defense that requires um, a lot of aggressive play from your inside and off-ball linebackers. So that is totally different, and we've never seen him coordinate anything remotely like it. You know, it's funny. There is a current Packer who has seen him coordinate and might be a Packer because of his coordination. Okay. Preston Smith. Uh, played for the Washington football team oh, under did. Joe Barry. That's true. And was misused heavily, um, often eating double teams and having his hand in the dirt instead of being a stand-up linebacker. Yep. Um, and that's why the Packers got Preston for the price that they did in free agency. Well, that's Preston, good Preston, yeah. not this year Preston, good Preston, would cost way more in free agency if he was properly used as an outside linebacker. Yeah. I think it's a very tough question to answer what his philosophy is going to look like if you believe what the Packers said it's going to be 
like Fangio's defense, and they're going to have to spend some draft picks on inside linebackers this year, sign a couple in free agency. Maybe they'll go after Levante David, I think, is a free agent. Is he not? Um, <laughs> maybe they'll do that. Um, that. That would be an expensive. That would be an expensive. Yeah, game. he's going to get money. He's going to get paid through the nose by somebody. He's getting keekly money, and justifiably so. He's awesome. Um, but nobody really knows because he's not been a coordinator. When he was a coordinator last, his philosophy was inept, and he has purportedly changed it since then. But we'll see. Twitter questions. Robert Kim asks: Other than quarterback, are there analytics to suggest that a higher percentage of the salary cap? should be spent on certain position groups, such as offensive line, defensive back, defensive line. I'm pretty sure your answer will include spend less than 5% on running backs. <laughs> so I, I can't give you a, a exact number. However, I will tell you the philosophy revolves around the quarterback because quarterback is the guy. Mm-hmm. Then behind that, you have the O-line who protects the guy. Then behind that, you have the pass rushers who go after the guy. And then behind Ooh. that, you have the DBs who go against the guy. Those are those are going to be your top four, in that order. Yeah, I think that's probably right. On defense, um, the the modern take is that it is DB, and uh, and not edge rusher on defense that is actually more valuable. My prop, my bad. But no, you're, you're fine. The guy, the the guy argument that was originally given to me was 2016, I think. So I'm yeah. still quoting it. And that's new and, of- and not necessarily true. I I've got some problems with that analysis. Um, so on on offense. Um, it, it is receiver and offensive line, um, although offensive line is becoming more controversial because of the realization that quarterbacks are responsible for more of their sacks than they we used to think that they were. But you need an offensive line to run the ball and to not just blow blitzes and blow your quarterback up. Um, so, yeah, those two. Tight end, not as valuable. Um, if you get a great one, it's very helpful, but most of the time not that valuable. Running back, we talk about all the time. You guys all know that one. And interior linemen tend not to be that valuable because if you are usually a tackle, you can fail down to guard. Um, whereas if you are a guard, it's hard to work your way up to tackle. So th- that's not always the case. The, the Packers are very good at finding tackles playing guards. Elton Jenkins um, being the most recent. He can play kind of anywhere. Um, so not gospel, but uh, that's the general rule. And on defense, it really is well, what? You're... Is, this, is this where we go into the second base discussion? Yeah, I mean, same same concept. <laughs> guards, guards are second base, man. Yep. And then, uh, so defense is where I kind of take some issues with with analytics these days. So, um, I do get the the cornerback argument because you need a lot of cornerbacks, and it is hard to play, and so they are in short supply. And anything you need a lot of, and it's hard to find them, is going to be more valuable. So I I do get that, but I also think you saw with Pettin's defense this year, um, you need. You need everything because defense or offenses can decide where they're going with the ball and they'll pick you know, to depart to death wherever you're weak. And Kevin King happened to be where they were weak in the playoffs, and so he got picked on. He's a DB, but um, in past years, their inside linebackers have been picked on. And this year, to some extent, that happened as well. And so you need good players across the board on defense. Um, it's easier to find inside linebackers usually, which is why they tend to go a, bit, a little bit later. So I, I will say just it probably is cornerback, edge rusher, safety. But you need, on defense, I really think it is um, you need whatever you don't have now, and it's really as simple as that. Jonathan Deal, friend of show, asks, the last two Packers Super Bowls were due to two Heisman winners, Charles Woodson, Charles Woodson and Desmond Howard. Which past or current winner would put this team back on top? <laughs> I mean, Charles I mean, Woodson there's... would. 
Charles Woodson is the correct answer. Yeah. Thank you. So this is difficult because, like, first of all, the the you know early years Heisman, those players are very different. It's just a different world. You don't really even know how to evaluate them. And then it's all quarterbacks and running yeah. backs. And we've talked about like we don't the Packers don't need a quarterback, and the running back doesn't add value. So it's like down to Tim Brown. You guys are you guys are so wrong. What, the most oh. the most recent non quarterbacks to win, by the way, are Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram, and before that. You're going basically back to Charles Woodson before you get to another skill position player. So. Uh, Ron Dane. Ron Dane's there, but he doesn't help you win, so who cares? Uh, Tim Tebow. No. H-back Tim Tebow. No, he's not good. He's not good at that. <laughs> Bring him. <laughs> Tim Tebow's actually bad. That's the thing. Tim Tebow was a good enough athlete to give it a shot at H-back. <laughs> and then he, he so chose. He was a good he sport. Yeah. <laughs> Good I mean, I mean, it wouldn't be bad to have Barry Sanders or Bo Jackson sure. or OJ Simpson. <laughs> Maybe it would be bad to have the latter, but, uh, <laughs> but like dude, that dude could really kill a defense. I mean, you talked about how running back doesn't put you over the top, and the quarterback situation is fine. So we yeah. only have a few guys. I mean, Devontae Smith is top five because you only have a few guys. You know what? That's, the bill. That's the the answer is actually the current. That is the answer. You're right. It's it's Devontae Smith. He would be the yeah. most helpful. But he is going to be long. <laughs> oh yeah, he's going to be. He'll never fall to the Packers. He'll, he'll, okay, so be that is, yeah, that is that is like, there's no way in hell, barring injury, that dude drops to the bottom of the first round. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, he's a little undersized, so possibly uh, he's not going to fall to the Packers. Yeah, but he but, possibly slides out of like the top few. But yeah. But when you look at the the <clears throat> way the league is right now, the undersized wide receivers rule. They you do. get Ty Tyreek and Hollywood. Totally. And also, like, he is he's a freaky shape guy. I love freaky shape guys. His arms are the longest arms of any short person ever. They're crazy. Did you do? Okay, so uh, mock draft season. I did, I did my joke mock draft, and at the end of the seventh round, I picked the guy from Ohio State that couldn't cover Devontae Smith, and his name was uh, Tough. Tough, yeah. Tough Borland, yeah. Tough Borland. Not related, Tough. Not related to the Badger nope. Borland. Tough Borland was a four-star recruit, yeah. and that's how easily Devontae Smith ran past him. A four-star like, so, recruit playing in the national championship game. Right. Yes. And he and, got owned. And he's a very good player. Tough Borland is a good player. Yep. Devontae Smith is special. He is special. He's going to have a nice career in the NFL. Not with the Packers, unless they trade <laughs> up, 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 up. I think that does it, that's guys. It. That was it, it. Does, that's it. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. Sweet. Um, all right. Um, thank you all for the questions. Uh, we did mention earlier, we thought we were going to be recording. That's this week. We will be back periodically throughout the offseason when things happen. I don't think it's worth recording many podcasts when things are not happening. That's just boring. Um, we may do one fun one. I, I had an idea um, maybe worth doing. We did like a, one on novelty songs last year. I wouldn't mind doing one where we just go through other teams suffering um, prompted by <laughs> prompted by a discussion that we uh, had in a, a Twitter DM about Paul Allen calling Vikings losses, which is just a beautiful thing. Um, so maybe maybe that in the, in the not too distant future. But uh, the two greatest radio calls in Packers history are <laughs> Paul Allen in 2004 in the game against the Cardinals, and yep. Paul Allen in 2000, I guess 10, when Brett Favre threw the interception in the <laughs> NFC Championship. Why would you even ponder passing, <laughs> dude? I can still do that whole bit from memory. I love it. So Look, much. I legitimately don't think there are better calls in Packers history that they're so that good on the Packer fan. Fan, you know power rankings i really believe that's one and two i love I the mean, nate pool one so much it's so good yeah the um when you think about great radio calls in packers history 
there are sometimes things that besmirch them. For example, uh, Aaron Rodgers to Randall Cobb in fourth down. Yes. He refers Sorry. to him as Brandon, Brandon Cobb. Cobb. He's oh, you're talking about Brandon the Joe Buck call. <laughs> yeah. Brandon I like, Cobb. Or the radio version where Larry McCarron is getting all excited and stepping over it, which is endearing, really, but yeah. it's still it still prevents the call from being you know pristine. Honestly, uh, one of the better calls in recent memory would be Joe Buck, believe it or not. Joe Buck calling the Hail Mary at the end of the half against the Giants. Cobb touchdown unbelievable was a very good call in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good TV calls. That's the other thing is we don't most people don't experience football through the radio. I was thinking True. specifically radio calls, and it just isn't how people watch football. They watch the TV. They watch the national broadcast. Um, that they do the Brazilian broadcast of Mason Crosby kicking the field goal against the, the, that's right the <laughs> Cowboys. Mason Crosby a goal. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Phenomenal. So good. So good. All right. Before we get out, JR, any plugs? No, I mean, I haven't actually written much lately, but <laughs> I do have that thing that should be posting at jsonline.com Wednesday, looking at the candidacy of Leroy Butler and talking about all the factors in play that make 2022 such an appetizing opportunity for him. I, I think it's, I, I mean, I'm not going to say I think it's a sure thing, but it's, it, I, I do believe in my heart it is a sure thing that he will get in eventually, and I, then we won't have to worry about the order. Uh, I, I I would say with 99% certainty that he's going to get in eventually, I think it's at least 85% that he's going to get in next year. Yep, so. agreed. Matt, anything besides weaving my memes in Discord? Um, Marcus Allen. If it's if it's not Devontae Smith, it's Marcus Allen. That's my answer. Just so he can score from the one-yard line with a little more regularity? Marcus Allen was also a good receiving back. He was an early receiving That's back. That's true. He, he was. He, he was. could translate. He could play the Aaron Jones role when Aaron Jones leaves in free agency. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, new merch on AppletonCoffee.com. Code RE at checkout. The hoodies are great. Um, they also stretch. My wife, who is eight months pregnant, has one in her normal size that fits. Nice. And also, <laughs> a lot of you have bought them already. Thank you very much for doing that. It is much appreciated. So. Um, as for me, um, I had a piece on all of the nepotism surrounding the Joe Barry hire um, up at Acme Packing Company. Uh, it is very in-depth. It goes back quite a ways, um, all the way back to Bum Phillips himself. By the way, just, just to round that out a little bit, if I can, in my plug, Wade um, got hired by Gary Kubiak when he was the head coach of the Texans. Uh, Gary Kubiak got into football by being a ball boy for the Houston Oilers in 1970 under Bum Phillips, which is why he ended up hiring Wade for the Houston Texans when he was head coach there. Gary Kubiak, of course, came out of retirement last year to become the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. He just retired again. The new offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings is Clint Kubiak. So... <laughs> Incredible. Yes, just incredible. There's like, there's like six names in all of football. <laughs> yes. It's like Game of Thrones. If you're, if you're from one of the six royal families, you'll get to coach in the NFL. Yes, it really is. It's in, it's really something. Anyway, so go check that out over at, over at APC. I have a few other things up. I got something up on why Rodgers should snap the ball sooner. Uh, we keep getting more evidence about that. But go check that out. Uh, we'll, we'll be back uh, with another show sometime soon. I actually am going to put up a uh, mini pod later this week on the Big Data Bowl. I wrote a piece on that last week, too, and I wanted to go into a little more depth on some of the other things that came out of it. Um, and uh, so look forward for that. Otherwise, we will we'll see you guys as soon as something else happens in the NFL. The 10. Get back, Here guys. it is. The season's on the line. Two receivers left and right. McCown takes the snap. He steps up. He's all by himself. Fires into the end zone. Caught! 
Touchdown! No! No! The Cardinals have knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. I believe it was caught by Nate Poole. He's being mugged by his Cardinal teammates. There are Minnesota Vikings crying on the field.